Welcome back to If I Only Knew. Listeners, thank you for your time. It's Fred here with co-host extraordinaire, the man with the plan, Matt. G'day, mate. How are you? Hello, Fred. I'm doing very well. Matt, I want to talk today about something that you're very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I reckon it's almost at the end of its long lifetime. And this is the concept of political pork barreling. Yep. For those that don't know what we're talking about, Coming into Australia at the moment, there's an election cycle going on. We're just in the midst of a pandemic. World War III is about to start. And when our politicians want to get elected, they get off a plane, go to a place and splash a few billion dollars around. I watched this last night on the news and I thought to myself straight away, does Matt and his you know, cohort of people fall for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there still cachet in politicians splashing cash to win votes? Mm. Now, given that, you know, your generation, Matt, is arguably some of the most educated in human history because of access to information, Mm. and, you know, you guys are the future of this great nation and great nations like it, what do you think about ScoMo or Albo getting off a plane and committing X amount for a new stadium or a new rail link or... Does it win you over or does it disgust you? Yeah, look, it's a crazy one, I reckon, because it happens so much, right, Fred? It feels like every six months there's another pork barreling scandal. So it's yep. completely ubiquitous in politics, there's no doubt. Be it money dedicated to marginal seats to build new car parks, just so yep. you could say, like, they could advertise that they were going to do that, or the sports rorts uh, scandal where they yep. were giving money to particular clubs in marginal and conservative seats um it's it's a huge deal it happens a lot right politicians clearly think it works i think that that's a a baseline statement we can make but the reality of whether it works in general and the feeling that young people have about it are two separate questions that i think are a lot less clear cut so let me start with young people because i'm probably more um, authoritative speaking on that for me personally it certainly doesn't work it's a it's a complete breach of trust between the voter and the politician that is meant to represent those voters and it it's a form of corruption that I think we should be more critical of. Um, yeah. But but somehow, culturally, I think we have accepted that while this is bad, I don't think we see it as egregious as I probably kind of think it probably should be. Young people in general, look, I think if it means that you know a, a young person in a marginal seat is going to get access to a better sporting ground, I suspect they might be inclined to have their votes influenced by that in some sense or another. However, from everything that I've learned about people's voting patterns... Like the amount of money spent in that election cycle on your electorate does not come up as being an influence uh, that people talk about when they say who they vote for. They say they vote like their parents or they say they vote on the charisma of the leader or they say they vote on like broad policy agendas like climate change or defence spending or immigration. I don't hear very often people talking about this one announcement to spend more money in my area. And so that leads me to think that because I think it might be because people are far more sceptical, especially young people are so sceptical about the promises that politicians make, especially around election time. Even if a politician says they're going to build me another stadium next election, I'm just not going to take that into account when I make my vote because it's not happened yet, for one thing, so I don't actually have that stadium. And I just don't trust that they're actually going to commit to that. I don't trust they're actually going to do it. And so I, I actually don't think that putting money into seats to buy votes in this way is quite as effective as uh, its prevalence would suggest. 
It's it's fascinating that you just said that, and that essentially it comes down to the word trust. Mm. And what I'd love to do, and, and I know people have done this, is they take all the election promises and pork barreling, and then they three years down the track say, you said you do this by now and you didn't do That's this, right. this, yeah. this, this and this. But generally the only people that use it as currency is the opposition party. Mm. Okay. And I would think that there is so little trust in mainstream politics now for your generation that anything they say is perceived with so much sarcasm and so much scepticism mm. that they're never going to get the vote based on an announcement a month out from an election. Yeah, yeah. But why do they keep doing it? Look, that's actually a very good question, I suppose. I think that there must be a disjoint between the um, perception of Canberra and the perception of voters around this. I think that that erosion of trust is something that's still new. Trust is at its lowest point in uh, political figures at the moment. And so I wonder if politicians are still grappling with that. I wonder if there's a bit of a like a game theory approach going on here where if the opposition is going to pork barrel, I feel like I have to pork barrel as well. You know, like there's this sense of, well, even if it's not actually going to give me an advantage, at least it stops me being disadvantaged. I wonder yeah. if that's something that goes on in their mind. But look, maybe, and maybe it's also just a feature of like the, the influence of the promotional side of marketing in Australian, but more general democratic uh, government, because in many ways, democracy is about being voted in. And that means that marketing has become the, the central focus of a lot of democracies. And so if you can make a more convincing marketing campaign by having specific like numbers that you can throw across your screen saying hundreds of millions of dollars are being spent on X or Y or whatever, perhaps that's just like a tool, not so much because of the actual promises or what that's actually going to deliver, but because of the hope that it means that the like advertising itself is more punchy. I don't have uh, any any confidence to make uh, any of those claims as being like the exact reason why it's happening, but those are all things that I'm thinking might influence why politicians continue it. I love your take on this because really what we're talking about is it's done because it's a defensive strategy, not a vote-winning strategy. Mm. Let's be honest, there are still people of different generations, mine included, that may have a little bit of white-eyed optimism and, you know, fall for pork barrelling. But ultimately, it's a defensive strategy and it's great for the news cycle, mm-hmm. okay? See, for me, it's, and I, I'm not of your generation, but I'm a huge cynic when it comes to politicians. If somebody wanted my vote, they just have to show me a three-year, a six-year, a nine-year and a 12-year plan, yeah. you know? So if you get me for this election cycle, this is what you're going to get. This is what I'm going to do. Right, yeah. If you then vote me in again, this is what I'm going to do. The question I would put to you is if you said, regardless of the side of politics, one of them said to you, Matt, we know the environment's important. We're going to put $50 million and X amount of jobs into renewable energy by 2030. And the other said, we're going to put the same amount of money and the same amount of jobs in by 2035. That's a different discussion. Yeah, yeah. Both are important. Both are speaking to your need, but they're doing it in a very tangible way. What I think pork barrelling does for me is it just shows me that these guys are so reactionary and it's the law of unintended consequences. You put $50 million into stadiums in WA, well, there's only a finite pool of cash, right? Yeah. So where's the money coming from? Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. it foreign debt? Because look, yeah, we're tipping a bit high there. Yeah. Yeah. Is it at the expense of what? You know, other services. Mm. And it's not been the infrastructure that we need in the, you know, in the country 
So I think that pork barrelling is the worst form of retail politics ever. And I postulate that your generation and the Gen Zs and whoever come next is going to look at that and go, every time you do it, you just convince me that you know less about your long-term plan. Yeah, yeah. And look, it is corrupt. It is literally corruption. But I feel like it's not addressed that way in the media. It's not talked about that way. I think another reason that politicians continue to do it, Fred, is because ultimately they're not all that punished by it. You know, people might lose ministries for a year, but then they come back in cabinet in another capacity or some um, subordinates might get fired, but they can deflect blame or whatever. And so I, I just think that we don't have the a culture that resists this in the same way we resist some other kinds of perhaps corrupt behaviour. So let me let me put some stuff to you. If they were out there today and they were splashing cash, let me ask you if these things would influence your vote. Cool. Okay? We're not going to hold you to this. Sure, sure. Okay. So somebody that says we want a 2030 zero emissions target. Mm-hmm. Vote winner for you, yes or no? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Somebody says to you, we want a water security plan for Australia where we safeguard our capacity to feed and water our own population. Vote winner for you? Uh, In theory, yes. Depends on how it's executed. Okay. Yes. 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 Defence spending. (laughs) Up. Or down, which gets your vote? Oh, Fred, I vote down for sure. I don't see. I don't see a few more tanks stopping China from invading us personally. But see, everybody's picking on poor China. <laughs> Humanitarian aid overseas, up or down? Uh, up by far more than it is, both for ethical reasons and because everything that I've read says it is an excellent financial investment. Migration, up or down? Uh, up. Population. Migration. Up or down? Oh. Um, I don't have strong opinions on that. I don't think I would know much about it. Uh, a car park at your local train station <laughs> that makes it easier for you to park. Uh, honestly, my train station's car parking is f***ing shit. Um, so, up. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. I think we've just cracked the code here. It's about self-interest. This it's is why they get away with it. it. It's a bad train station. It's a bad train station. So if ScoMo rocks in and says, forget global warming, you've got a train station, you've got Matt's boat, ScoMo. Whoops, Quick. whoops, whoops. Quick. Isn't it fascinating, though, that we can all take this great stand on it? If somebody said to me, the part of the the city I live in in Sydney, there's talk about a bypass. Right, yep. And that bypass would would remove traffic congestion that impacts on me getting to work and dropping my daughter off to school. That's a real issue for me because it's an everyday issue. Yep, yep. And... It's up for debate. You know, there's no certainty about it. It's been promised. It's been pork barreled, Matt, in every state election since I was about 15 and never been executed. Yeah. This is the insidious nature of pork barreling to me, Fred, is that infrastructure spending is good and important, right? We need infrastructure spending. And I'm sure that, like, some pork barrels or some, some local concerns should be concerns of 
the federal government as well. But something like the uh, pork barrelling of the car parks for, from the previous election was extremely, like, far more expensive than it needed to be. They only made one of, like, 15 promised car parks and they're just not really as needed as they might be. So I think the problem here is it takes money away, money and interest away from actually important infrastructure projects and puts them towards other places. And if that one car park had been at your local train station... <laughs> It'd be totally fine. 200 so, million, 200 million, absolutely. I'm just going to put it out there. You're right, it's corruption, but everybody's got a prize, right? <laughs> Look, to tail in the episode, I think when we start to talk about issues like this, it's not to say Fred and Matt are right and the rest of the world's wrong or we're wrong and everybody else is right. It's to draw attention to the psychology mm. of an election cycle mm. and pork barreling and how it's not clear cut. Um, I have one absolute fundamental rule when it comes to this issue is believe nothing. Mm. But if you do what you say you're, you're going to do, you will get my vote next time. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Blank checks mean nothing to me. And it's why I generally do consider myself very much a swing voter. Mm. I've never seen anybody come out with the things that I really want to hear about a genuine plan for environmental right. sustainability, a genuine plan for food and water security, a genuine plan for a national health system that we'll need in 50 years rather than in five years, right. a, an immigration program that gets the best and the brightest from other places and brings them here, you know, a humanitarian aid that really does in some way deliver reciprocity for Australian business. The one thing I want to hear about is, you know, that we'll keep our sovereignty and, and I'm not a war hawk and I definitely don't have the fear of some of our neighbours. But you know what? Right now, the Ukrainians could have said that too, right? Yeah. So I think from our perspective, this is a great little mini episode about, you know, all the glitters isn't gold, right? And that Matt's generation won't fall for it unless it's at their train station, people. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. We got him. I knew we'd get him. Uh, Matt, as always, I love talking politics with you. We could make the whole podcast about that, but I think we'd end up with about eight listeners, no, so exactly we won't right. do it. Eight's very um, generous, I think, Fred. And uh, and I think we've got some great episodes coming up. I know that we've touched on really interesting things around sport and life and a few other things recently, and we've got some great loyal listeners that want to continue to give us topics to talk about. So, Matt, to thank you from me. Well, thank you, Fred. Excellent. And a thank you to our loyal listeners and our new listeners. And if you've only just discovered If I Only Knew, like and subscribe, give us a star rating, tell your friends. Uh, we'll be here next week. We hope you will be too. And that's it from now. See you, everyone. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.